Hello, dear friends, and welcome to The Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay. I hope you're showing yourself some love, some self-care today. I hope this podcast perhaps is part of that ritual. It's part of that way of you showing yourself some time for yourself to relax, to enjoy, to learn, to grow. And I, I definitely believe that this podcast episode is going to do that for you. Uh, before we jump in, I wanted to say a big shout out to myself for finishing a book called A Kid's Book About Optimism. It could be found, well, in the show notes, there'll be a link right there, A Kid's Book About Optimism. Uh, you can find it on Amazon or at akidsbookabout.com. Uh, very proud of that children's book. I do plan to create more children's books down the road, but this is my first. And um, yeah, I think it's great for kids and kids at heart. So be sure to check it out, A Kid's Book About Optimism. Talking about books, talking about improvement and life we have with us today on the podcast. Tara Schuster is a best-selling author, playwright, and accomplished television executive. She served as vice president of talent and development at Comedy Central for quite a few years. She has a book out there, and it's not just any type of book. It's an awesome book. It's really won, it's won all the awards. It's called By Yourself, the F and Lilies. It's been translated to in over four languages. It's a finalist for the Goodreads Choice Awards for Best Nonfiction Book of 2020. I mean, many agree that this is one of the best new memoirs out there that talk about mental health and establishing self-care. It's amazing. These are topics that I am passionate about, as you know, and we delve deep into these topics. And Tara goes a distance about her own personal journey, and she shares openly, vulnerably, in a beautiful, beautiful way. It's fun. She's funny. She's great. She's deep and wise. I learned so much from being with her and talking with her in this podcast episode, and I'm sure you'll walk away with quite a few incredible points and how to take care of yourself that much better. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast episode with the one and only Tara Schuster. Friends, I want to introduce you to Tara Schuster, uh, a, a newfound friend. Uh, we connected over a BBYO speaking engagement weekend. Uh, and though, unfortunately, I, have, I wasn't able to um, go hear Tara speak because I was speaking while she was speaking. Um, I went as long as I ever did, like an hour and a half. And then like Tara from Word of Hatter was still going on. So I was like, oh, like, oh, my God did I do a terrible job? But also like, I got to go, I have the opportunity to go ahead and, and meet her because it was trickling down the grapevine, how well she was doing, crushing it. And uh, it was the first time I've heard about you and the girls were raving about you. The organizer lo organizers loved you. And that was also the, um, the first time I heard about by yourself, the effing lilies, your book. And um, which is interesting enough because we have a mutual friend, Melissa oh, cool. Urban. Um, oh, great. Yeah, this is a rock star. She started Whole 30. For those who do not know, she was a, uh, a guest of the podcast as well. And um, so it was great to see her name like, oh, this book's amazing. <laughs> and it's like mutual friends. Well, I also have to say that I heard that your session was awesome. And I knew it would be awesome from the moment I saw you in those menorah uh, overalls, which were <laughs> incredible. I like you. saw you from afar in these like this blue, like electric blue overall situation i was like that dude's cool that's yeah. a cool dude all right um, <laughs> my kind of people i'm glad you're picking up what i was putting down over there yeah when exactly. they told me that the theme was like onesies i was like <laughs> yes put me in coach that's where i yeah. thrive 
Um, but yeah, awesome. it, was, it, was, it was pretty awesome. Um, and so, yeah, that's got me thinking like, wow, this sounds amazing. I know you're a big advocate and you talk a lot about mental health and, um, well, I have, I, I've been in this space for a couple of years now. It's something that I live by where I once was a very ashamed and afraid to talk about and was told not to because it affected my right. career or what people would think about me. I want to get hired. Um, now it's something I thrive on. And it's, um, I, I got think- the same speech, by the way, Did like, you? Yeah. like right before my book was published. Um, like I was still an executive at comedy central and some other executives were like, aren't you afraid if people know this about you? What if they know you're depressed? Will they want to work with you? Like what will managers think of you? And it was like this very shaming. I mean, they literally said, what have you thought about if you could get jobs in the future? Wow. Yeah. You know, which was like just about the most stigmatizing, like shut up, push you down kind of thing. And it was people I loved. Yeah. So it was very weird. So I just want to say, like, I completely feel you on that. Like, people really do say to you, like, are you afraid? Isn't it going to ruin your life? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it comes from a place of where they want to be able to be seen more fully and holy. And like, exactly. In other words, like, how do you do it? How are you doing that? I think it's fear. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a lot of like, you can't do that because I can't do that because I'm not allowed to be who I am. So how could you be who you are? Yeah, You know? And so you forgive it because you're like, and also I'm on the other side of it where not only did it not ruin my career, it gave me an entire, much bigger career. So I'm like, you know, like easier, like said than done now that I'm on the other side. Um, But in the moment, oh man, I was like, Oh, have I made like a dire mistake in writing a memoir that really gets into mental health issues and an abusive childhood? And like, yeah, I had real second thoughts. Did you have a uh, vulnerability hangover the day it published the day the after? No, not at all. Cool. I mean, just it is what it is. Mm. You know, like yeah, this is truly <laughs> living by, by what you preach. Yeah. Like this is what happened. You know, I think as time goes on, I have less and less of a judgment on, you know, and I, I could tell you just a little bit about the, what the book is about. Please. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For those, yeah. yeah. So I grew up in a house where things came to die, you know, all of the plants, the fig tree, the orchids that came free with purchase of the house, Iggy, the iguana um, died moments after being brought home from Petco. Uh it was not a wow. good place to be. Signs, yeah. Yeah, signs. Yeah, run. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, it, you know, it wasn't because the house was under some, like, mystery hex curse situation. Uh, my parents were deeply neglectful, psychologically abusive um, towards my sister and I. And, you know, I spent my whole life, my young life, trying to get away from that. So, you know, hustling in high school getting like, I have to get a five on the AP Euro exam. Like that means like, that's my worth, you know? Right. Right. I'll make you I mean, enough. I'll make you be loved. You have know, the exactly. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And not even from my parents, but like from the teachers, you know, like that would be a substitute for love and external validation would be a substitute for any kind of self-esteem. And so I kept like hustling this way. And so I, I got to go to like Brown because I like worked so hard. And then from Brown, I like went to Comedy Central where I was um, like kicking ass and climbing the corporate ladder, like super, super quickly. Yeah. I was the executive in charge of Key and Peele. Yeah. Like, you know, I had all these incredible opportunities, but inside I was imploding. 
inside. Let me, let me ask yeah. you. I want to like put a pause yeah. there. Like you're because on the outside, right? Because on the outside, you're this executive at Comedy Central who doesn't know Keel and Peel. What a like, revolutionary comedy series. Um, and what what I maybe you're going there, but like what is what was missing there? Because you're having it seems like success. You're being respected. What was missing inside you that you feel like that? Um, yeah, that you needed that, yeah. that wasn't happy. I didn't know myself at all. If there was even a self to be had. So how are you, you know? functioning? Cause you're 20 something years old. You went through college, yeah. you're paying your bills, you're running, yeah. you're talking with adults. You know, I, I can only imagine a 20 year old in the, in this, in the comedy central world. Like it seems yeah. pretty young to have such a yeah. role. So yet like you were yeah. doing something right. Yeah. I mean, I am a very high functioning anything. Like you give me a ladder to climb. I'm going to climb it whether or not it's the right ladder because of, I think my particular situation really was survival. Like I need to find other people to help me and I need to succeed because there's not much of a safety net. So I was like scrambling, like, even though I, you know, I was achieving these things, I was in mental anguish. <laughs> like I was in turmoil the whole time. It was actually funny because I took one of those, um, you know, your colleagues tell you, give you feedback. And universally people said that I was cool under pressure and always seemed to have it together. It was shocking because I was (laughs) like, I'm truly like in a seventh layer of hell anguish here. How are you perceiving this as um, calm? But I was just so good at lying Mm -hmm. and I was treating all my depression, my anxiety with alcohol and weed and boys and like every, every cliche you possibly could put it in a blender. That was me. Got it. Um, Yeah. Numbing, getting through. Oh yeah. I was just, and I was really like what you just said. I was really getting through my life. You know, every day was a crisis to jump to a new crisis And I might've kept going this way, um, except I drunk dialed my therapist on my 25th birthday. I woke up the next morning, no recollection of having done that. Oh, wow. Oh, I was like, was that blackout drunk? That was the bottom. That is that. I was going to say, what was like, what, what shifted that you realized, oh "Oh, God, I got, this is not working anymore for me. So I'll tell you exactly what it was. (laughs) So I was lying on top of my aggressively floral duvet like in my like girls night, horrible forever 21 outfit, like on top yeah. of the covers, I reach for my phone. Um, it's like 3 PM. It's so depressing. I look at my phone. I have all these missed calls from my therapist and I start listening back to her messages. And I realize that not only did I drunk dial her, I threatened to kill myself oh. and she was trying to find me. Um, to get me to either go to a hospital or be with people because I had never sounded that like miserable and desperate before. Mm. Now <laughs> that, wow. that invokes a certain kind of shame in a person, you know, I didn't want to be the kind of person who was so out of control that she was drunk dialing her therapist, threatening to kill herself. Yeah. You know, so that was like a, a real wake up call that morning was like, if I don't save my life, I'm not going to have much more of a life to live. So, you know, I need to, I need to take this seriously and I need to take the trauma of my childhood seriously and heal it instead of just pouring endless Pinot Noir into the <laughs> depths of, you know, who I was. Oh man. I, I, I hear that. And yet here you were taking care of yourself because you had a therapist to call. 
So totally. So where's that balance of like, you are taking care of your mental health, right? You have a therapist, but yet it still wasn't working. Yeah. It's such a good question because, um, not to get mystical here, but I think that I have a, a, like a soul that really wants to be healthy. And I was in circumstances that were not healthy, but there was always a part of me that was like reaching out to a therapist. Um, the reason I could afford therapy was even, I put that above all my other living expenses. Like that was beyond going out, whatever. That was the most expensive. That was the most important thing for me to pay for. Um, so there was always like this little part of me, this spark Mm -hmm. that wanted health and thank God, like, thank God that was always there, but it, it wasn't something conscious to me. It was like a gift. And, um, and I've really tried to follow that little spark. Wow. That's, that's, that is amazing. Is that the, the idea of a soul or is that something that was new to you at that time? Or you always felt like there was something inside you that was pulling you through before even you were in that, in those darker stages of your life? It's actually only a very recent thing. And it's only in retrospect, you know, I don't write about the soul at all in my first book. And I'm writing a second book where I really explicitly talk about how I, I just know we all have a soul. I don't believe it. I know it. Mm, And wow. How is that? How, how is it to feel yeah. that way? No, how, how do you, there's a certain knowing there. So perhaps someone yeah. who's listening in, is there like, how is it that you, you came to that and like with yeah. such certainty for perhaps they could too connect with yeah. that part of themselves? Well, I think one question to ask yourself is, do I ever just feel really great in like nature? Do I have a moment that's just beyond myself where I sense, oh my God, this is effing awesome. Do you feel that way when you hold a baby on your chest? Do you, do you feel that way when you're in the embrace of somebody you love? You, do you feel something beyond yourself? And if the answer is yes, ever, then you don't need to believe anything. You just know that there's something a little greater than yourself. And, and I also would say that if you give that a chance, if you give these beautiful moments a chance to really exist and, and you soak them up, then you realize everybody else is like a little soul spark too. And it makes dealing with people much easier because I'm a pretty hateful person. Like, I don't like people. I'm like annoyed. I'm the, <laughs> I, you know, like I'm the person on the plane with like my hood over my head. Please don't talk to me. I have no interest in you. Right. You know? So like, this right. isn't, I, I just want to be very clear. Yeah. Like I'm not, <laughs> Like it's nice. Do you know what I mean? I hear it. interesting because I, I this is the opposite of what I'm I'm feeling from you, but I hear what you're saying. I hear what yeah, you're saying. I can be a real asshole. I can really like shut down into myself. And one thing that helps open me up is when I remember this person, the United Healthcare Insurance person I'm talking to on the phone oh, is also a spark of a soul. And it really can calm me down from going to where I know I can go, which is, uh, you know, Absolutely. not something I'm proud of. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's for me, that's, uh, the chase, uh, you know, helpline or like, uh, or operators. Yeah. it's just like, yeah, but any of those, like Ugh. where like this deep darkness comes, I'm like, wow, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to just be somebody that I like, know. 
Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. and I think they also bring a darkness. Like in those moments, we're all in this like dark space. Yeah. You know? And so whatever we can do to calm down. Um, and and what I what I do, and actually when I'm in an argument with somebody, is I just imagine them literally as a flame. Mm-hmm. Like I'll look at your face and be like, okay, that's a flame. It is really hard to be mad at a flame. It is really hard to like need to win or, you know, like I, I try and I don't even want to win arguments. Like w- once you start doing that, it just makes your life easier. So the quicker you can know about the soul, the quicker, like your life is just easier. Yeah. It's so I, 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 I totally agree. I grew up in a, in a home that was very religious, but um, mm. not always that I feel a certain spirituality to it. it. It was just religious and we did it because it was the right thing to do. And meaning was brought to it, but I didn't really connect with it. It wasn't maybe taught to me at, in a way, but I have the opportunity now to relearn and I'm less religious today, but I'm a lot more spiritual. And that's been a yeah. very interesting journey. And I, I definitely connect with what you're saying in that regard of how each of I, I'm on that plane where we, we have, I have a soul and others have a soul, a spark of some sort. And, and, um, and it's my mission in this world to actually help people see that or to, and to help ignite mm-hmm. the sparks and others. So mm-hmm. they too could go ahead and can, you know, continue to light the sparks. And so I, 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 yeah, yeah. My name in Hebrew means, uh, it's mayor. So in Hebrew, it means to illuminate. So I'm just, oh, wow. I'm just trying to live up to my oh, name. So- you're really on the nose. I'm You're like yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. center of it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah. I, it's it's great. It's been it's been awesome to be able to uh, to learn that and to and to like it's a sense sense of identity which I have taken upon yeah. myself, which I which I enjoy and love. Um, one thing you've you've mentioned, uh, I've heard in a conversation with you is that you're um you built out a curriculum for yourself to reparent yourself. Yeah. And um, I thought that was I think that was awesome. And I think there was a, a, a lot of a lot of people who are maybe it's generation of the millennials or whatnot, where, and I wonder if, well, I wanted to j- jump into Gen Z soon, but I feel like a lot of millennials and the conversation I'm having is that the, the reparenting is a buzzword where yeah. a lot of family, at least thank God, a lot of people in my inner circle, the parents were around, they had everything they needed, but perhaps right. there was an emotional needs that weren't met. Right. And there's always, so do you mind speaking to that? And yeah, what, a bit of a curriculum no, not at not at all. So first off, I thought I invented the word reparenting like mm. 10 years ago at the beginning of the book, right? Because I'm 25. And that morning I was just like, I didn't have parents, like not in the traditional sense. And if I don't do that for myself, I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to be nurtured. I'm never going to, how could I be the adult I wanted to be if I was never nurtured as a child, you know, like I just knew that's what I needed to do. So I started a Google doc called um, our curriculum towards reparenting slash self-care. And I just started trying things, you know, what, um, what the, like my friend's parents did in their homes. Like I'm like lurking and like watching their family behavior and taking notes you know, reading memoir as self-help, I really, um, the words of Nora Ephron and Steve Martin really were like my parents, you know, and I kept experimenting, kept trying over the course of five years, I ended up with a 600 page Google document. Wow. I, and I was like committed, like ask my friends how I approach something. I'm like all in, like, let's do this thing. And five years later, I felt like a different person. I felt like worthy. I began feeling like worthless. Like I have no worth. I am bad. I am terrible. I don't deserve anything. Blah, blah, blah. I ended up 
hear, oh, I have a precious spark <laughs> within <laughs> me, you know? Yeah. So it was a it was a big thing. But you know, I'm really glad that reparenting for me, I'm like shocked that it's become such a thing because I'm like, whoa. Um, I thought I was completely alone in this. I am definitely not. And you know, I think it's a lot of people they have these holes and it's sort of like, even if you had parents who really nurtured the heck out of you and were there and, you know, really took care of you and your emotional needs or tried to, they can't do everything. Like no parents could possibly give you everything you need. And so, you know, I think reparenting is for everybody because it's really about self-awareness yeah. It's, you know, it's really like an honest accounting of here's where I'm at. Here's what I need. I'm going to give it to myself. And it's worthwhile because you hear people say, oh, I'm super anxious, but you know, when my kids are five, then I'll go to therapy. Then I'll have time. You know, it's like the lot or like, you know, I'll deal with it next year when I have more money, I'll deal with it. It's always like down the line, I'll deal with it. But as we all know, we don't, ever do those we never things. get there we never get there yeah it's all we have yeah. is to hear i was speaking to a friend tonight and and he used the analogy of just like at least for me because i was just feeling a little overwhelmed i feel like i was slipping in just some of my own obligations and integrity around mm. certain things and he was like it sounds like you just got to take care of yourself it sounds like you mm. just you know what what i want to do is just like drive 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 but at some point the car needs to get filled up on gas and you got to go and yeah. get a car wash and you got to go get an yeah. oil change and like and i just want to keep on moving i got all these things i got to do yeah. and and for me the language i've been using was like i got to stop and he's like you know it's 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 part of the journey it's, it's you got to refuel it's just you know you go ahead oh, do the thing otherwise the car's going to fall apart like i mean the, the sign's yeah. already on um, red yeah at a certain point you have to pull over yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to survive and like live, live your life, right. Like actually be in the driver's seat, because I think we get so addicted to external validation and to overwhelming our way through life. You know, like, I feel like I sound so like woo woo right now. I was like a hardcore corporate executive, <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, for any, like, I just want to be very clear. power suit, the whole thing. Like, well, I did more of a like vintage um, situation, but with uh, like designer flourishes. So it was like high low. That was my situation. Still is. Love that. Um, (laughs) Love that for you. (laughs) I just want to be really clear. This is not like I didn't grow up in a religious household. I didn't grow up with anybody talking about a soul. I just figured out this was a much easier way to live and a much more authentic way to live was by taking care of myself and not trying to overwhelm my way, like not trying to muscle my way through my life. Like what a weird life would that be? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I, so I really resonate with what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can already hear like, cause I, I know this truth yet. I still fall for the trap of needing to be productive and like my value is yeah. what I work. So like, that's something that I, I, I know there is, it's true. And yet it's so hard. And for someone who's new to this type of language and conversation, how would you reparent them? I know it's it's a lot, and I'm sure tons yeah. of you know sessions of around therapy. I know for me to even get to an understanding around it, but like where can one actually start under like taking steps to like yeah. realizing you're okay? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. Actually, so my whole book it's a memoir, but it's also 
free or easy, like low barrier to entry um, tools towards reparenting yourself. And so one of the first thing I talk about in the book is journaling. That would be the number one first thing I would hand you a journal and say like, hey, try this. Because first off, most of us don't actually know how we feel. We, we like, we don't have the language for it. We're not in, we're not in touch at all. Like, I, I feel like the only way, pe- like the word I hear the most is I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's just, everybody's like fine, good or bad. Go to. Yeah. So we're not ever really paying attention to our interior life. So journaling is like DMing with your soul. Like, <laughs> you know, you like Love get that. to hear these like sneaky little messages um, of what you need, where you need healing. And over time, you really start to see, oh, if I've written for two months that this is not working out with my boyfriend, this is not working out with my boyfriend, I need to make a change. It's like a lot harder to lie to yourself when you see the truth over and over again. Um, and so that's my first tool. And it's also, it gives you a voice. I, I feel like a lot of us especially in this moment, feel like we have no agency. Like everything's beyond our control. These these world events are just so big. How are we going to do anything? The first thing is to remember you have a voice. You have some power. Your story is important. So get to writing. You know, that's, that would be the very first thing would be a journaling practice of some kind. And then I would say some kind of like body practice, something to get you up and to release natural endorphins and to make you feel proud. So with whatever capability you have, for me, it was running. I was an indoor kid who like miserably ran the mile in middle school. Like I ran the mile in saddle shoes. Oh, wow. That's an image right there. Right. Like it. it was not good. Um, I would, literally my report card from, um, I think it was my junior year of high school. The coach was like in the report card said, um, Tara hides behind the treadmill in order not to work out. And I can see her. It was was so weird. Uh, It's so funny. And she wasn't wrong. You know, I just didn't want to do it. Um, and so, and I also thought that it made me better than other people. Like, oh, I'm better because I don't work out when I was just afraid. I was afraid I would look stupid and I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. And so a, f- a friend of mine, right at the beginning of um, my reparenting, just, I asked her, um, cause she looked really stable, always smiling. And I was like, how do you do that? Like, I just want to jump out of a window. Like you look fine. Like, <laughs> like she used our favorite word. Um, And she said, when she gets stressed out, she just went on a run. Mm. And at first I was like, well, that's BS. My issues are so important. What I've been through is so deep and heavy. A run is not going to help that. And truly it blew the doors open because when you get into your body, you just feel more confident. You feel yourself more. um, You remember your aliveness. And if you set really small goals for yourself, so in the very beginning, my goals were run to the end of the block, run for this one feist song, which kind of shows you how much I knew about sports was I was listening to singer songwriters (laughs) as my running jams. Like, okay, maybe rethink that. (laughs) You made Um, it your own. You made it your own. (laughs) Yeah. So, but as I, as I built up these little goals, 
I built up confidence and saw, oh, I can do this and I can do this in my body. And so I think those mm. that so I'd give you that toolkit of the journal and of something physical because it's I, I think that's how we really heal is when you um tie the the kind of mental and your beliefs to your body, which is so important. You know, we kind of take for granted how important our bodies are. Yeah. Like yep. they're why they're how we get to be here. Yeah. It's the vehicle. Yeah. How we you have this uh, spiritual experience. Um, so that's, yeah, it's super important. I mean, when I know when I'm not doing some sort of physical activity, all that energy and angst sort of builds up and it needs some sort of healthy outlet. Totally. Otherwise it'll just drive me, drive me crazy. Um, but I, I hear that that's, that's huge. I, I wonder, um, Another thing that you've, you've talked about, which is important and something that I'm learning to uh, to get over and to start practicing is spending on myself. I mean, mm. you're actually, your title of your book is By Yourself, The F and Lilies. Um, and, you know, there's this element of like, yeah, I, I could go ahead and buy this gift for a friend for their birthday anniversary, whatnot, and spend right. 50 bucks, 100 bucks on it, whatever. Um, but on myself, I, I can't go ahead and like buy that. $10, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you touch on that and how, so what's, what do you break down the psychology around that or, and, and how to, yeah. uh, and what are the benefits on, on taking time for yourself or spending on yourself? This is one of my favorite topics, money, because we don't, it, we don't talk about it at all, basically. And yet it's, it's like a part of every single moment that you're on earth. So just, I want to flag that for everybody. Yeah, seriously, by the way, we <laughs> learned about everything in school. Nothing about learned, money. No, nobody's taught you. Your friends aren't telling you their yeah. salaries. They're not telling you what they pay for rent. We're all right. Like, always talking about it. No, <laughs> I'm getting. I'm getting better asking my friends how much they make or how they yeah. ask for things. I just like to normalize it and to like well, talk it out. Because otherwise, we're just flying blind. We have no idea what oh anyone else is doing, yeah. so we can't yeah. even like do the best for ourselves. So and so, in in my case it was just, I had grown up in boom and bust economies. So my parents would have a ton of money and we'd go to Hawaii and then we'd get home. And it's like, you can't go to the dentist because we haven't paid the dentist bill. Mm. It was just up and down and up and down. Mm. And so I became really insecure. And I also began to think that if I had enough money, like that would make me safe one day. Yeah. Like I started to have all these like complexes around money. Yeah. Which, I have a lot of anxiety around money. Sure. If, and especially giving that example of how it's hard to spend money on yourself um, because money also seemed like the icing, like you should spend money going to brunch, but not to buy toilet paper, like the nice kind. Right. Like I would literally be at CVS and, and think like, I don't know if I deserve three ply like this one. <laughs> yeah. Is or discount br- generic. No brand one. names. No brand names. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, uh, like, uh, in the witness protection program style toilet paper. <laughs> yes. Um, and I would get to, Trader I Joe's. also feel like I grew up in a home where like we, we bragged about, or, or I heard my moms and friends, oh, you saved up this much money at that because of this and like that deal. And yeah, it's just like the original, but yeah, but it's yeah. not, it's not. And like, we still have stained shirts, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. No, it's no, I, I, we inherit all these sort of, you know, how, how basically it's how do your parents think about money? That's usually then how you think about money. And yeah. I would get to Trader Joe's and I would see these lilies and they're $7. I'm working like a 70 hour week. Like all I'm doing is working. 
And I see these lilies and think, I can't afford those. First off, they're just going to die. So why would I spend money on something that's going to die? Second off, I can't afford it. Is that going to lead to financial ruin? If I get extravagant now, I'm going to be extravagant later. And like, you know, like crazy every time. And in the process of reparenting myself, I finally got to a point where I was like, this is crazy. First off, if I can't afford $7 lilies and I'm working this hard, what can I afford? Like, this is nuts. And why am I doing this just to store all this money in a house that I'll never go into like in a bank, I'll never use a penny of it. What I'm just going to, you know, like Scrooge McDuck in that, um, in the vault where he's like swimming through the gold coins. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is that what I'm trying to do? And I realized spending money on the basics is such a luxurious act because if you're every single, if your details of your day feel good, you feel good. You know, mm-hmm. our lives are not the blowout wedding, the trip to Tulum, you know, they're not those big moments are actually all the little moments of your day. So you deserve for the little moments of your day to be lovely. Um, you deserve to have holes or excuse me, uh, socks without holes. Mm-hmm. You deserve you know, the $7 lilies, you deserve raspberries. The only thing I really haven't gotten over is shaving cream. I I just, (laughs) I just, I'm like, soap is good enough. Like I don't need shaving cream. So this year for Hanukkah, my sister bought me shaving cream. <laughs> wow. And now are you sold now from that experience? Are you like, no, okay, no cause it- now I'm hoarding it. <laughs> no, <laughs> now I don't want to use it. Cause it's like, nice and i i'm like oh i have my shaving cream like yeah, yeah. Ooh, possibly my precious we can't crack <laughs> yeah. it it looks so nice on my shelf yeah okay. exactly exactly oh i hear it so it's safe to say there's always work to be done yeah it's a never ending sure. uh, journey but yeah no. do you find uh through your speaking engagements that speaking to you know young adults gen z i would say the generation after the millennials here that there's a specific struggle that they're going through. I feel like in our conversations, you know, when I say ours, I mean, friends, millennials, this generation, yeah. there is like a lot of like not enough or, um, you know, the, the emotional uh, d- disconnection between parents. And that leads to like, you know, doubting oneself. And do you find, is, is that similar? Is it just a human experience? Do you find there's something specific to Gen Z that perhaps as, you know, what we could do maybe perhaps better or help or, or talk about? That's, that's an excellent question. I mean, I think the first part is just human suffer, like suffering is a part of the experience and there would be no religion. There would be like nothing like, you know, if suffering didn't exist to some part, it's to some extent, but what's special about um, Gen Z is they've also walked into a world that's on fire. Like the world they're inheriting kind of sucks you know, with um, the climate emergency, I mean, name, you know, one of 20 things. And so I think there's a certain anger of like, oh, you've left us, this is what you've given us, like a very justifiable, honest anger. And so they don't really put up with BS. They don't want to like, you know, paint over things and try to make it look pretty. They want to deal with like the real thing. So I have mad respect for that, you know, dealing with the actual problems Um, And I think there's an openness, you know, I think there's a real um, openness to talking about things in a way that, you know, my friends and I never talked about mental health issues in college. 
And we were like, quote unquote, woke and quote unquote, liberal. And I, I don't, I don't think I ever had one honest conversation about depression in four years of being a Brown, like ever other than I tried to use psych services to get me to be, to be able to be roommates with my friends because I said I needed the stability, (laughs) (laughs) which looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I tried to use like mental illness as a scheme for housing, but it was true. My friends really were my, like my rock, but (laughs) I looking back, I'm like, that was not cool. Yeah. 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 Right. But using what we can, when we, you know, using the tools that we know at the time we can. Right. That's, 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 that's that's a really great, um, I would say distinction with this generation is that they're a lot more woke. I find that the question and answers after the times I speak are a lot more in depth and they're really smart. And they're like, what? Oh, right. And like, I just learned not to speak to them as teens, whatever that means, or kids, but like just as an adults, as I would being vulnerable, like, and like, Oh, I'm a 30 year old. And like, I must have it all together. It's like, nah, no, I don't have it all together. I, my insurance got canceled because I didn't know I had an insurance bill to pay. Like I just let it sit in the mail pile that I'm afraid of for so long. (laughs) You too, you too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It all got, it got canceled. Um, But I I find the same thing. And I also never had an impulse to talk to anyone in any other way. Cause I was, you know, when I was that age, all I wanted was someone to see me, to like witness what was real and to help me a little bit. Even if that just meant they actually did see me, that alone would have been amazing. Yeah. But there wasn't, you know, there, there, none of this stuff was talked about and like who would even talk to you about it? You know, our schools aren't structured that way. Um, so I try to do that now because that's exactly what I needed. Mm. So it's selfish, ultimately. <laughs> I well, isn't it? But you know, it it, it it's all a good in, selfish. It's a good selfish, exactly. And that's it's, it's something that oh, it's a whole podcast for itself. But that's really, really special. Um, to to bring things to you know to to wrap things up. Are there any like one or two favorite tips that from your book? We already touched on a couple that we uh, mm-hmm. haven't had the chance to get to that you want to share. Um, that would help perhaps. Are you know someone listening to this podcast to be able to just feel a bit more comfortable about themselves or take an action to make themselves a little more comfortable and to yeah, yeah. to move forward in their life? So one thing that I find incredibly powerful is to unpack our negative beliefs. So you you know how much you talk to yourself every day because you're basically always talking to yourself, and if that. If what you're saying is you are worthless, mm. uh, you don't deserve this, you don't deserve to buy that, you know, if it's toxic. What were, what were some of your living beliefs and how'd you get over yeah. them? I, my number one was that I was worthless, that I wasn't okay. worth, that I was not worth anything, um, that I didn't deserve love and that I would mm. always be abandoned. You know, the usual, <laughs> the, the light, the yep. light and fluffy. Um, and so one thing I started to do is just say, is this true? Mm-hmm. Is it true that I'm always going to be abandoned? Is it true that I'm not worthy? Or if I open the aperture a little, are there other things that are actually also true? And the answer was yes. You know, um, my sister is never going to abandon me. I've actually never fully been abandoned. My parents didn't see me, but I wasn't like tossed into the streets, you know, 
my friends are not abandoning me. And most importantly, I'm not abandoning me. I am here, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I would just say, you know, in your journal, um, I would, one tip would be, I would write out instead of dismissing these negative beliefs, pay attention. Oh, I see that. I notice that I see that's happening, write it down and then question it. And if you want to take it one step further, I would then write, well, what would you rather believe about yourself? What, what, what truth would you rather believe than this lie you've been telling yourself? And as cheesy as it is, like, you know, I think people, when you say like, use positive affirmations, people are like, Ugh, gross. Like, what are you going to give me like crystals to pray to as well? Yeah. But there's a lot of science there, you know, um, the way our brains work, these neural pathways, there's this, um, the saying that, um, what fires together wires together. So as, as you think things, you build neural pathways in your brain that make it easier and easier and easier to come back to you. So if you build the pathway, I am worthless. It's like in your brain. So you have to do something to counteract it. Like you, you actually do have to deal with it. And so what I find is that then writing the thing I'd rather believe taking a moment in my day. And when, when the negative belief pops up, actually saying to myself the bigger truth over and over and over again, it's shocking how powerful it is. I mean, if you would have told me 10 years ago that one day I would think I was a valuable worthwhile person, I would have laughed in your face. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just didn't think it was possible not to be negative about myself all day. And I look back at that person and I'm just like, Oh, that sucked. That that's a terrible way to live. So the number one thing I would say is pay attention to your negative beliefs and ask what else is true, you know, see the bigger truth. Mm. What a powerful and like, like you said, very accessible exercise for, for someone to do that I will do tomorrow morning. Um, that's yeah. a great one. That's a great one. Um, Tara, thank you so much. I really appreciate you oh, taking the time is, today. This was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Where can people connect with you if they want to find you? Oh yeah. Um, well, the best way to connect with me is my newsletter, which is tarashuster.com, then whatever the slashes newsletter or just go on the site you'll see it on the um banner but i write one new essay every week and i talk to people there sometimes i won't catch you on instagram but i will answer your email it might take me a minute but um i love talking to people and that's the easiest place to do it or um, my instagram which is just tara schuster Awesome. We'll have it all in the show notes as well. Um, Tara, to end it off, this is the Great Day Podcast. So what is a great day for you? Ooh, a great day for me is a day where I get to spend time with my sister. Doesn't matter what else happened. If I can Mm. just have a little bit of her time, that is a great day. That's beautiful. All right. Tara, thank you so, so much. Keep shining your light. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You, you made it, you made it, you made it. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode. Thank you, Tara, for sharing your experience and your wisdom with me and with all of us today. And I hope you guys are all walking away with some more insight into how you can better serve yourself, take care of yourself, your mental health, and uh, by doing so, showing up more powerfully in this world. So go ahead, buy yourself that effing blank, whatever that is for you. Go ahead, do it. You deserve it. Until next time, like I always say, stay positive. Be happy. I'm Mayor Kay and have a great day.